everybody. We're back with another commission podcast. This one for the 1986 science fiction fantasy classic Highlander. Hmm. Uh-huh. Starring Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. Uh, this was... Uh, we have thanks for this to uh, Jason Shankle from the Nattercast. Uh, perhaps the entire uh, Nattercast community. You can find all their information at nattercast.com. In fact... They recorded over a two-hour companion podcast at this podcast because this is one of Holy Jason's crap. favorite films, and he had two of his buddies over. I listened to like the first 30 minutes of it, and it quickly became apparent that this is going to be my recap of the Nattercast podcast if I kept going because they just <laughs> have so much trivia and information and has I've seen this movie God knows how many times. Um, so I recommend if you can't get enough Highlander, uh, go to nattercast.com and check out that podcast. I will direct link it, uh, in the show notes, uh, because I think it was a couple of months ago. Uh, what did you think? Uh, okay. What's our experience with Highlander? Uh, have you seen Highlander before? You know, I don't think I've seen the whole thing before. Okay. I know I've seen parts of it. Um, I definitely felt like it was familiar, but if I have seen it, it's been so long that I don't remember most of it. Right. It's like we, you know, Highlander's one of those like geek staples, and I grew up in the geek culture. So, like, you know, there can be only one is kind of in my lexicon <laughs> right. and like yeah. kind of knowing the basics of Highlander culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen the movie, I set out to see the movie like five years ago, and I remember being kind of disappointed at how schlocky it was. <laughs> Um, but I also have fond memories of my father, who was completely obsessed with the television show, the television series. Um, yeah. That spoiled. So, so a lot of. So I will probably refer to Connor as Duncan. Sure. Uh, so at some point in this podcast, because, I was actually surprised when they call him Connor. I'm like, right. who is Connor? It's not Duncan McLeod from the Clinton McLeod. Uh, no. Yeah. So that's the TV guy. Right. Uh, Connor is the Christopher Lambert character. Uh, but I, I didn't watch the show closely. I mostly like played Legos or drew pictures on the coffee table while my dad was watching it on Saturday afternoons uh, in syndication. Um, right. It, it, this this movie also was all over television. Yes. Too. So it, like you know everything in the nineties got got a life on television after the theaters, um, and that I think is where I caught bits and pieces of it as I right. was kind of channel surfing especially this movie because it feels like this is a pretty easy edit to get to tv like you cut out the superfluous 80s sex scene that's required in every (laughs) science fiction fantasy film uh or any action film you you cut that out and then there's not really a lot of what i would call terrible gore like even the Mm -hmm. the decapitations are fairly tame they're always done at wide angle from a distance or a very quick cut if they're up close right uh yeah, maybe the one at the end with Clancy Brown where his like head's hanging by a flap. That 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 might have to be uh, <laughs> But it's all covered by like light and right. ghosts and... and special effects yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um I will say that watching this again with the my my last thought being, "Why well, Highlander doesn't hold up as much as people uh, say it should." Uh I actually surprised at how good the movie felt mostly. Okay, and I'm also yeah. wondering if I went and because Highlander Two is legendarily bad mm-hmm. and like really fucks with the mythos of the the series, which I think is its big charm. Like I feel like the rules of the Highlander, um, if you get rid of the idea of the gathering and the gift or the prize or whatever, mm-hmm. the like the like there can be only one concept. Um, if you get rid of that, 
it's actually a really solid universe that you could tell a lot of cool stories. Because, you know, you've got kind of like the vampiric wariness of immortality without the bullshit drawbacks of vampirism. It's just kind of a cool concept with a lot of cool yeah. fantasy rules that maybe don't make sense, but provide, you know, like the fact that they can't fight on holy ground mm-hmm. allows the villain and protagonist to meet up and have like interesting conversations or interactions without it being the final climax or yeah yeah so I, there were I, some ways in which like this movie defied my expectations in that okay it's 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 cheesy right let's make no bones about sure. it it's a cheesy 1980s action movie uh in a lot of respects but it also does some pretty epic stuff like like there is some spectacle in this fucking movie mm-hmm. um, from like the, the big shots of landscapes in the Scottish uh-huh. Highlands to even that final battle on the rooftop. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of fucking spectacle there, uh, but it's covered in cheese. And I, some of the things where it defied my expectations, I was surprised by because they keep setting up this idea of, okay, can't fight on the Holy ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Kurgan's a really bad guy. The rules are there to be broken by the bad guy. And I kept expecting him to fight on the Holy ground. No, it seems like the rules are fucking serious. Yeah. But apparently I guess the Highland, the, they're not Highlanders. They're immortals. They, right. they take these rules very, very seriously. Yeah. I remember there's one particular point in the television series where like Duncan and some other dude, I think, it wasn't in a church. It was in like some sort of. It might have been a Buddhist temple, and they they got so worked up they started to fight, and like lightning started, an earthquake started, <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay. Mate, like like there might be some external enforcement of these rules. Gotcha. Somehow that makes sense. Um, and, and I kept expecting like when Sean Connery and Lambert when during the training montage when right. Lambert asks him. Connery says, uh, if we were the last two, would you take my head? And Sean Connery just kind of laughs. Uh-huh. But that's a, I expected that's... that to kind of be the end of the movie, right? Like, they yeah. turn, And then halfway through, Sean Connery dies. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. I guess not. Right. But there's a lot of, like, kind of cool questions like that to be asked. Like, what if it's your best? Like, you know, you kind of, it's kind of right. like uh, Survivor or Big Brother rules. You make coalitions. You try to f- make friends mm-hmm. with people. But then if there can be only one yeah. at the end... Like, does, does Sean Connery just like, hey, I've been alive for 3,000 years. You've only been 400, kid. Take my head. Like, I, I'm kind of uh-huh. tired of, like, I, I it, that would be kind of a fascinating thing. Um, and the idea that there's also something in the mythos that every immortal has kind of like an immortal tutor that finds them through some supernatural process, like, the, the mm-hmm. uh, and, like, teaches them. But, like, Why? Yeah. With the again, like the rule of there can be only one, and 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 trying to get this gift, like seems like that, like maybe again there's some kind of supernatural enforcement mechanism of that, but it seems mm-hmm. counterproductive to train your rival. Sure, that's going to like like the, it's a certainty that they they will kill you eventually, or at um, least try, or at least yeah. try, or you know be aid and abet someone else that will. Yeah. Uh, so let's before we go further, I want I want to turn the reins over to the uh, natter in chief, Jason. Although I don't know what his wife uh, Sion would say about that. Uh, <laughs> he says, "Children of Summer in the Bald Move community might not remember, but there was a time when fantasy movies were few and far between, and rarely any good at all." The Natter cast is happy and proud to sponsor this podcast of Russell uh, Mulcahy's literally immortal 1986 fantasy classic Highlander. 
What can you say about a film that takes place in Scotland yet casts Sean Connery as an Egyptian Spaniard, an American Frenchman Christopher Lambert as a Scottish Highlander, a film so awesome that when Queen was asked to write a song for the soundtrack, they wrote three. And why? Out of respect. A film so good, a sequel so bad that the film series lives up to its motto, there should have been only one. We hope you guys enjoy casting as much as we did. Please check out our companion podcast for Highlander and other classic films and current shows on nattercast.com. Yeah, I don't even know where to start on this because there's just so much I want to unpack. I want to start with the thing he touched on, the Queen aspect. Because this... This this soundtrack is legitimately rocking. Yeah, it's it's all Queen. Uh, I mean, I I'm sure there was some original score in there, there as well. There is a little bit of just shit. like moving things along kind of store score. And and I I looked up and as as far, far as I can tell, Jason's assertion is correct that they were only obligated to like write the title track or like a credit track. And they saw an early screening and or uh, like an early advanced copy of it, and they were so taken by. The universe and the concepts and some of the romance stories and maybe some of the bromance stories, uh, knowing Fr- Freddie Mercury, that they wrote three or four songs. In fact, they they kind of came up with an album called "It's uh, a, a Sort of Magic." Is that isn't that the mm, or a kind I of magic? Know. Maybe was the line that that Lambert uses a couple times in this film. Yeah, uh, that's there's <laughs> never been a Highlander soundtrack, but that's the closest you're going to get. Yeah, and you know Queen knows how to make. Some fucking stadium anthem rocks rock. Oh and, hell yeah! And this is uh, no exception. There are, I will say, a couple of of odd things that I found about the soundtrack, though. So oh, yeah? like, the the Queen songs are very good songs, but I feel like in some places they're misplaced. So the opening credits, right? Mm-hmm. You've got this badass rockin' Queen mm-hmm. song that's just over credits and i'm like uh-huh. i wish something more exciting was happening because it's a badass song it really is prince of the universe deserves something better than just red text on a black background <laughs> yeah uh, and then they go to the wrestling match and the song is kind of over yeah and they just go into the movie um and then there's this one during during the bar scene where uh connor is trying to find out find more information about this lady who's like tailing him or whatever part of the investigation right the forensic um, the forensic, the forensic scientist that's also a specialist on sword right swords just and kind of in it for swords. the swords yeah thank god thank god that <laughs> right. the, the pathologist at the nypd happens to specialize in 17th century <laughs> japanese metallurgy because woo. but that that song is so oddly placed like it's this very sexy like mm-hmm song that you almost think they're going to hook up in that moment, but there's nothing sexy happening on the screen no, at they all. Up, they hook up at a later later moment. Much, much later in but the I, movie. I, I feel the like Kruger, they should have saved that song. The Kruger listening to the track about, I forget the exact name of it, but about you know wanting the power to give me the power or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, he pops a tape into his uh, uh, car tape player and starts rocking at it. I thought that worked really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were a couple of moments where Queen really hit the spot. Mm. So uh, those two were not it though. <laughs> the other thing he mentions in this little intro about uh Sean Connery as an Egyptian Spaniard. Mm-hmm. It does seem like a missed opportunity to have just Sean Connery be this badass Highland Scottish Highlander rolling down out of the the the, the titular Highlands and tutoring this boy. Like what yeah. but when he rolls up in his peacock cloak, <laughs> it's hard to deny it's kind of majestic. 
Sure, yeah. Like Sean Connery prancing around in this getup for a week in in uh, Scotland or wherever they filmed it is is kind of cool. I like it. Yeah, it's really weird. So I got the impression that Sean Connery didn't really care much about this movie. And, you know, I, I guess I, mean, I don't blame him. He's James fucking Bond. Right. Care care about, like, as much as any other. I mean, this man starred in Zarda. I, I feel like if you have <laughs> if you have a paycheck and some uh-huh. cigars and some brandy and scotch, he, he is more than willing to show up. And Yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, he's had some bad movies. Well, let me let me get let me past. get let me let me drop a little bit of trivia on you. Oh, shit. The opening voiceover by Sean Connery has an echo effect because it was recorded in the bathroom of a Spanish villa. <laughs> Where he had been working in the bathroom, yeah, where he had been working with a voice coach in order to perfect the Spanish accent he used in the film. So he had during during his bathroom session, he had been working with a coach, right? I mean, for about thirty five seconds while I, he was taking a dump. I feel like the vocal coach showed up and got him to say "Milamo Sean Connery," and Sean Connery's like, "Thank you, my boy. Now let's go hit, let's go, let's go hit the town and get some scotch and red beef in us." And that was it. That was like I perfected my Spanish accent because Sean Connery talks like Sean Connery in his movie. There is no discernible, yeah. which kind of works. I I suppose that like that was kind of the excuse. So Christopher Lambert actually is like. A guy who was born in America but lived almost his entire life right. in France. And so he came over and had this extraordinarily thick French accent. Right. And the director eventually was like, eh, fuck it. He's from everywhere. And that's right. why they put in that line, like, where are you from? I'm from a lot of places. Or Which, whatever. yeah, like, it's it makes sense so if it you... sort of is okay. Yeah, you get, you know, like a muddled kind of accent after being around from everywhere. and Yeah. I mean, the only thing... I don't even know what's Egyptian about Sean Connery except for maybe the guy liner he's wearing. I don't know, man. Uh, like that. Sometimes that reads as vaguely like, as like you yeah. know. Every time you see a pharaoh, he's always got the sure. fucking you know like goth cat's eyes. Yeah. So like maybe that's the leftover Egyptian in him. I I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah, but, but he is in glorious attire. Yeah, no, I I I love. It. And the other thing is like, I don't feel like he phoned it in. Like he was he, no. he, he worked on this well, thing for seven days. That was his entire sum total <laughs> for the film. But like right, he's engaged. So- he's cool. He's he's. Having fun, it seems like. I mean, yeah, when he's when the camera is pointed at him and it's rolling, certainly. Mm-hmm. But those moments were very few and far between. Like I, yeah. I learned through research of this movie that Sean Connery mostly in this movie did just reaction shots and his lines, uh. and then everything else they did without Sean Connery. Hmm. Um, like that whole fight scene with Kurgan is not Sean Connery. Really, it's a stunt double. <laughs> Fighting Kurgan. So, so, I mean, except for those close-ups, except for like the close-ups, right? the reaction kind of shots. Yeah, that was a pretty epic scene. Like, I like, I yeah. like these guys fighting, and their swords are so powerful. It's literally destroying the castle around them. Yeah. with their like, um, that was a genuine moment. And and the crew, like uh, Clancy Brown as the Kruger, is a really solid bad guy. Yeah, I think he gets a little ridiculous towards the end with the young Frankenstein. Uh, bobby pin or uh, safety pins in his neck. Sure, but you know, he's I felt tr- like he was going for a punk look, so he wouldn't be. Yeah, so out he's of place. going for like a punk kind of skinhead, neo skinhead type yeah. of look, and succeeding. I the problem with this, like I have with a lot of '80s movies, is man, the the B henchman, like that first guy he mm-hmm. fights, just looks like they pulled him out of like a public library. Uh-huh. Like like he's he's the assistant. Head library li- glasses on, him. like cataloger at the New York Public Library. Threw a trench coat on him, 
gave him a, 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 a fancy French sword and said, here, wave this around with Christopher Lambert, and he's going to try to carry you. Like, yeah. same, same thing with, like, if you look at, like, uh, Commando. Like, no one is badass in that film except for mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody else is a sack of shit. Uh, and like, 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 did 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 Schwarzenegger really not know any of his like powerlifting buddies that could get in there and like, <laughs> right. you know? And do you have to put the like, even if you got a real badass, you put him in a fishnet mesh tank top? How badass <laughs> is he really going to look? And uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, well, this, they did their best. Like that opening scene, they they brought in, I guess, a guy who could do a lot of backflips. And they sent him backflipping down <laughs> that the hall. old man didn't fucking backflip a shit. <laughs> but like, like get a Ray Park type. Like you, you don't need. Yeah. He didn't say a goddamn word. So just mm-hmm. get like our like Olympic fencer or something, and have him carry Christopher Lambert and give me an exciting fight. I don't, I don't under, I don't understand the 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 Conan the Librarian that we got. <laughs> well, the beginning of this movie is strange to me too because. It, sure. It's so fu- the music is so fucking epic. Yeah. Like, okay, so let's start at the beginning. The, there's the opening narration with the queen and the epic music there right. doesn't mean anything yet because it's just credits. Right. Uh, then they go to this wrestling match, which was I guess supposed to be a hockey match at the beginning, but and that would have that, that's the thing. Like the hockey why, league said, we don't immortal, want to be associated. Why isn't a mortal hanging around a off-brand WWE exhibition? He. It seemed to me like he was tracking this guy down. Yeah, but like again, why would the other guy also be like like yeah. rest I if it was boxing, mm-hmm. that would have been kind of cool cuz like I I buy that an immortal would be attracted to like violence and displays of violence because of just their nature. So like uh-huh. make it like a really like you could do a really gritting boxing. Hockey would have been amazing. Yeah. It's too damn bad the NHL is like, "Hey man, we don't want our we don't want our fucking sport associated with violence, mm-hmm. you know. We don't want a sport where people routinely throw down their gloves and sticks and just punch each other in the face. <laughs> to where we have a dedicated the the penalty box there. to throw them in so they can cool down and that. Yeah, like we don't want to be associated like like teeth on the ice. Fine, but <laughs> like fantasy decapitations, get the fuck out of here. And you got yeah. this like ridiculous wrestling kind of thing. Yeah, and then but there's a really cool shot there i thought with this wire cam that they do it's yeah. called the sky cam and i guess invented by the guy who made the steady cam which so. is crazy it took because i remember when that first came to the nfl and you started seeing mm-hmm. this little camera yeah. racing on four four wires like that th- they had this in 1986 what took you so goddamn long to uh, employ that for like any kind of field sport yeah no, that's makes like a lot of sense. really really now i'm kind of surprised they don't use drones or something but but then i have no like I have no grounding in this movie unless I've already seen this movie or yeah. know of it generally because Christopher Lambert might be the hero or he might be the bad guy at the sure. beginning. There's nothing to indicate who I should be rooting for yeah. in this first fight. And the music is just pumping. Like, they're right. trying to get me psyched up for it, and I get it. It's a cool fight, but come on, man. I don't know anything about the setting yet. Right, right. Maybe give me some background on it. Yeah, it's kind of the coldest of cold openings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the opening at a wrestling, It's. I wish that was a little bit better because I think it would have set the tone for the whole, I don't know, the whole the whole film. Um, it's kind of a dark comedy to it because I can imagine like yeah. the people, like they, they show the scenes of the people finding the head that's been lopped off the body right. and all that. But, Going out to your car, like, to go home after that event. Right. 
And just the pure amount of vandalism that's been done oh, sure. to this parking garage, you'd right. be like, what the fuck? Right, yeah. Like my I'd car, be so pissed. My battery's drained. My headlights are exploded. I got to work tomorrow. My oil pan has hours. exploded, and there's no oil in my car that's, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, but I'm saying like if it if it, they had the hockey or maybe boxing and that first fight had been against a more worthy opponent, like I think this film would have yeah. because that's all right. But to me, I found myself really attracted to the scenes from the past, like all that stuff uh-huh. in Scotland, because like there was real chemistry between I think uh, Connor and I guess is her name Heather McLeod or his yeah. His first wife, or I don't know, his blonde, span, his blonde Highlander wife. I I thought that was really interesting. Like Sean Connery mm-hmm. spices up every scene he's in. Uh, Some of the best scenes of the movie, I think, were the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, and like this big, large scale, like medieval melee, medieval Scottish melee was super cool. Yeah, um, him realizing why aren't they attacking me? I thought, yeah, e- even though he's just like literally standing there saying they're not attacking me, they're not attacking. I thought it was kind of cool yeah and they and the fact that they paid that off because the kruger said like i need to be the one to kill him because somehow i know he's immortal even though he's like he's on the cusp yeah see kruger that's that's the winning game plan not find this guy and teach him find him <laughs> and cut him. his head off and get his get his quickening re- before he's oh, even may- he's okay even, yeah so maybe there's maybe there's an incentive to power them up maybe you get more power oh. from a more powerful immortal yeah it's like it's like picking up a, a tomato before it's that's right ripe. You, you know, can eat it, vine but it ripe. won't be yeah. nearly as good. Yeah, they're only good for frying up. You, you want a vine-ripe tomato to put on your hamburger. I think we solved that puzzle. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> so it's a long game versus short, like, right. you know. Uh, Sean Connery would have lopped his head off a thousand years from right. now. Right, <laughs> he was just fattening up like like, yeah. like a calf. Uh-huh. Um but I and I like the Kruger's armor was kind of goofy, but it works in kind of this high fantasy concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's unfortunate because every time everything happening in modern New York was so much more broad and hammy, like all the police officers, yeah, are just ridiculous, mm-hmm. ridiculous stereotypes of of police officers. Like I'm surprised they just weren't carrying five crates of donuts and <laughs> you know. But like, yeah. Uh, including the the private dick from the Big Lebowski, he's in there. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're just right. a much younger version of him. Did you see that one of um, uh, the guy who who sets Connor free, or like he doesn't set him free, just gets him out of village before they kill him? That's yeah. the old bear. Yep. Only he's Gior. like the middle aged bear uh-huh. from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Looks almost exactly the same, I'd say. That's the cool thing about a lot of these old schlocky eighties action scenes. It's like like Call the Call Crawl rather has yeah. uh, a very young Liam Neeson in it. Mm-hmm. Um Excalibur, I can't remember who like Excalibur has a shit ton of like eventually famous people in it. Hmm. Uh, but like you know, the the chief pleasure of being like a forty year old or you know, anywhere, you know, like a Gen Xer or whatever, watching these movies, like, oh my god, look at all these famous people before they were famous, uh-huh. and they're making just terrible movies. I don't know what Sean Connery's excuse is, but and this isn't a terrible movie. <laughs> no, it's not a terrible movie. Um, it's a cheesy movie that has moments. Right, right, and I don't like. I I also wonder, like, for its time, was it actually cheesy? Because right. if you look at other contemporary action f- uh, films of the day they're they're kind of all like they're it's mm-hmm. like show me the uh like annihilation of this era yeah i guess it would be 2001 a space Odyssey. like there there were yeah there there were big budget like right. massive 
uh, impressive movies like right. that. But I mean, certainly this thing feels epic, and the stunt work and the effects work yeah. is all surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. For what I'm sure was a low budget. And another movie. thing that like that they were talking about right before I shut off their podcast was the transitions, mm-hmm. like the sweeping pan up from the parking garage that looks like a pops out of ground from Scotland. The uh, Christopher Lambert's pained, anguished face bleeding into the Mona Lisa reproduction. There's a uh-huh. lot of like really cool transitions to kind of signify flipping back to the past and, and back to the future. Something, honestly, I wish more filmmakers would spend time doing today because I, I felt like, I mean, Walking Dead's a terrible example because they, they're <laughs> bad at a lot of things, but there are a lot, there are tried and true techniques to show when you are jumping around in a timeline uh, and mm-hmm. I, I like you, you. You can be creative with them, or you can do the tried and true. But do something because some of this shit, where it's like overlapping, uh, underlapping, twisted up timelines, it's it's very hard, very yeah. hard. Like Breaking Bad always like used a saturation level to tell you when you're going back in the past. Like you gotta yeah. do something. Um, and this guy who uh, directed this film, uh, what's his? Oh, Russell uh, Mulcahy. He was the premier music video guy in the 80s. Yeah, directed the first music video to air on MTV. Yeah, Video uh, Killed the Radio Star, uh, mm-hmm. Turning Japanese, and just like, you just, it's, it's like he worked with dozens and dozens of artists in the 80s, and Highlander does have a lot of kind of fairly modern editing feel to it. It's very mm-hmm. quick, kinetic cuts. Um, that were kind of like things that uh, were pioneered in the music video genre. And this guy just took that and made like a really kick-ass fantasy film out of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are just a lot more action sequences that I want to talk about. Yeah, no. Some of them hilarious, some of them awesome. I, I also had like a lot of a lot of questions that came up as I was watching the movie that I didn't expect to get answers to, and I was kind of impressed that I did. Like, for example... They establish he's a Highlander, but he's also going around the ninja sword. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the fuck? Uh, but they, like, by the time the film's over, you understand. He like, got it from Sean Connery. And also, why yeah. is the Egyptian Spaniard using? Well, because yeah. his last wife, the one that he loved the most, his, for father, his father-in-law was a, a master swords maker. And he kind of carries that in tribute to that. So, like, yeah. And apparently, like... It wasn't just because ninja swords are cool, you know? The, the master... So... There's something about this that doesn't quite line up for me with this sword. So the sword expert in this movie, I forget her name. The the also police uh, forensics expert. Right. I don't. I yeah. She's utterly forgettable. I, yeah. It's telling that I remember Heather's name and this other is like. A, I think it starts the, with a B. Brett. Brand. Bland. Blanda. Blanda. Her name's Blanda. Yeah. Brenda. I think it actually is Brenda. Okay. Um. So she says somewhere along the way that she's analyzed the sword and there's. She she gets those fragments, which I guess swords just break into walls now with huge chunks of metal coming out of them. Right. Well, I mean, he did, like, bury that katana three or four inches into a concrete pylon. So, yeah. sure, why not? So she gets it. She analyzes it, and she says it was folded 200 times. It's, like, 700 years before yeah, that, like that technology that, that was invented. Japanese Damascus steel right. kind of how, thing they had going on. So Sean Connery, like, taught this master swordsman how to do that? I didn't or think just gave him the time and, and money to figure it out? It's one of those things where, like, he maybe discovered something that was lost for hundreds of years because he was so far ahead of his time or yeah i don't know i guess i don't know hung if out you... with a highlander and it seems like being associated with a highlander is bad for you or not a highlander an immortal right is bad for your health <laughs> i mean look at like yeah i mean they'll attack 
the other immortals will all attack the, the people like, you love. The people that you love get kind of yeah. caught up in it. So, which maybe, is kind of the main thrust of this movie, right? right. Thematically, it's the main all stab, about like, the main slice, sure. the the tragedy of living forever. I sure, guess. yeah, especially when you're locked in immortal combat with yeah. every, all the other crazy people <laughs> in the world. That's funny because. Christopher Lambert has both been in Mortal Kombat and Immortal Kombat. Yeah, you know, uh, let's talk about Christopher Lambert for a moment. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Because, like, Christopher Lambert, it reminds me a lot of, like, uh, shit, I forget. I, I, I came up with this when I was doing my research or doing my thinking about it. Uh, who's the guy in Clockwork Orange? Which one? The Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm, yes. I feel like Christopher Lambert, like Malcolm McDowell, is used in B and below level schlock to leave lend it a bit of legitimacy because mm-hmm. he is you know like oh Malcolm McDowell you don't think of Malcolm McDowell from like fucking Wing Commander four and all the other crazy like the the knockoff fantasy and all the other bullshit he's done and you think of him like oh it's Clockwork Orange and Caligula right. like he's been in big stuff that you know was important and it's a respected and, actor yeah respected actor and then. Christopher Lambert has a cameo in, you know, Mortal Kombat and suddenly like in in that 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 gives like him instant geek cred. Mm-hmm. The movie instant geek cred. And he's been in a lot of like really terrible direct video, direct to Netflix kind of things. Oh, yeah. uh, but he is not bad as a leading man. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't think you he's think any he's good. bad? Yeah, I mean, you he's know, got this just wait, wait, dopey wait. look. Oh, shit. Because so dopey. The other thing I was going to ask you, and now I feel like an asshole, is <laughs> he kind of reminds me of our friend Levi. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you you want Levi's acting analog. It's uh, f- Hardy, Tom Hardy. Oh, for sure. Levi's an exact duplicate of Tom for Hardy. For sure, visually. for sure. With, with, with like, if you, you cast uh, Hardy with, like, more of a much darker hair color, then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, him and Christopher Lambert. Now I feel like it's an insult. I didn't <laughs> didn't mean it as an insult, but... No, I, I don't think Levi's anything like Christopher Lambert. I think Christopher Lambert looks like a dope. Okay. He looks like a... Uh, sunken-eyed... I, I Something is happening in the eye region that I don't like. It puts me off. Okay. All right, noted. I will say that. Noted. I don't know if it's the brow or a cross-eyed or uh-huh. a combination of both. It's frightening. So you're not a bi- you're not a big fan of the 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 Lambert. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> not um, at all. I wonder if he's been because like I I can literally think of like this that kooky Tarzan movie he made in the eighties and Mortal Kombat. I've seen him on countless like VHS and DVD covers at like right. Blockbuster and. And uh, you know, Mister Video and the hometown video shops, but I've I've never actually watched a, a lot of his catalog. Uh, I I looked it up. I guess most recently he was he had a very small part in Hail Caesar as the film director. Interesting. Yeah. Did we know? Did we catch that? I don't think so. Huh? Because I looked at a recent picture. He's only like sixty years old. Yeah. And he's still recognizably Christopher Lambert. Absolutely. I can't believe I didn't I didn't catch that. Um. Huh. That's that's interesting. He's also had an interesting love life because he like was married for Di- to Diane Lang for a long time. He was also married to that 
what is that? Merce, Sophie Merceau. She was like mm-hmm. one of the Bond girls from the Pierce Bronson. Like uh, huh. he's had an interesting personal life as as well as an American Frenchman, dashing American international Frenchman abroad. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but you're not 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 a fan. Okay, no, not all a right. fan at all. All right, well, to shunt off all the Christopher Lambert <laughs> questions, I was going to follow up on. Um, I guess maybe it's the four. Maybe it's the four hundred years of living that's just made him look dopey. Yeah. He's just very tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something about him. Um, what? There are a lot of other like cameos in here, or I guess things that I would call, <laughs> I would call cameos in retrospect. Yeah, but they're not like um. So Hugh Quarshie, he's the literally the only black guy in this entire movie. Right. Um, I don't know if you recognize him, but he might look familiar because he's Captain Panaka in Star Wars. No. Yeah, totally. And he's also going to be in Red Sparrow. Interesting. Week. I'll see yeah. that tomorrow night. Uh, huh. That's huh. That's crazy. He's in Wing Commander. I guess that's well. the thing is like I'm surprised how young he looked in Star Wars, but that's been a long fucking time ago. That was 1999. Yeah. So it was never 13 mind. 13 years after this. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, what do you think about the High? Because I I I always think the Highlander mythology is very interesting, and every time I'm exposed to the Highlander mythology, I always go to like the Highlander wiki. Mm-hmm. Or the fandom dot com thing, or whatever it is, and like, there's just like tons of stuff, and there's like multiple contradictory canons, and like, you know, the second movie asserts that they're essentially aliens, uh, and there's like a lot of crazy stuff, but like the the concept of these immortal beings that are compelled as some sort of game to kill each other, and then they gain the memories, experiences, wisdom, and power of the previous one, so they get ever more powerful. They can't fight on holy ground. Uh, they have like an awareness, like a buzz when when they're in the same room as another one. They can recognize themselves from a distance. Like I think that's super cool, and I'm surprised. Like, well, there's got to be a Highlander role playing game out there. Oh but yeah, I, I'm actually surprised. Like, no one's tried to make this into like an MMO RPG because mm-hmm. it seems like that's a great hook that you just got. Like, you got an open world with a bunch of NPCs and. There are Highlanders or Immortals. I keep saying they're the Highlander because the Highlander is the one guy. The Immortals are everybody. (laughs) Like, there's all these Immortals, and it's, like, global. You could go anywhere, and you have to, like, slowly, like, each, like, there might be seasons of the game where, like, you know, uh, you spend a year Mm -hmm. traveling this virtual world to hunt down everybody else, and then somebody wins, and it's, like, like the longest game of PUBG ever. Uh Uh-huh. Like, why hasn't that happened? Because what do you do? What do you do once you get your head chopped off in the first five minutes of play, and you got to wait a year for the reset? I mean, go spin up another server, I guess. Yeah, maybe it's not a MMO so much as it's like some kind of like PUBG style, or you're dropped in this New York City. You could even do it like um, yeah, it's PUBG with with melee combat, and it's in it's it's like in a the division style New York City kind of scale. Mm-hmm. And you just have to find, and it's set during the gathering when there's only like a handful of you left, and you just have to track each other down through that map and 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 kill each other in single combat. You could even do like one on one matches. So like you you have all the players competing, but they're competing one on one at a time. Yeah. So like you, 
you know, you you spin up an instance of the game, and you and one other person are put into right. this map with a bunch. It's it's like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, right? Oh yeah, or, or is it Brotherhood? It's the one yeah, where no, I know the, the one multiplayer where you, is sure, you with sure. a bunch of NPCs, and you're trying to hunt down other. You just got to watch players. out for those dudes with the long beaks, man. Because right, <laughs> and you can act like you're an NPC. Yeah, you can try yeah, yeah, and blend yeah. in, and that's pretty cool. But it's like it's already kind of like a cool metagaming. Like, do you like lay low and avoid combat, but know that the people that are actually out there mixing up are getting ever more powerful the ones that survive so like yeah do you want to be the the guy camping in the second floor of a building on PUBG that gets you know spend 30 minutes hiding and then gets slaughtered by the guy that killed 12 people i don't know i mean i do have questions about the i feel like i feel like the highlander franchise has kind of been mismanaged other than maybe the television series which um I got way too much stuff to go back, but I think it'd be super fun to go back and 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 watch that. Yeah. But anyway, but I, I'm curious about the the rules of of the Highlander game, not not the video game, not the the role playing right. game, just as portrayed in the movies. Like, okay. I'll see if I can this answer gathering that. thing that they're playing. So it's it appears to me that the Kurgan should be the most powerful being of all because he's killed the most Highlanders. Sure. So. Is it kind of like Star Wars where a Jedi can be powerful without actually having really practiced or anything and it's just some natural ability? Or does it relate in any way to the number of people you've killed and stolen the powers from? Uh, it has to. But that, but if not, but but if that's true, then the Kurgan should have no problem defeating it, Connor. Not only that, but... Who has killed zero people. Not only that, but why does Sean Connery come and find Connor and say... You, I've been looking for you because you're the the last best hope to be able to stop this guy 400 years ago. Like, but so you're I guess it already must be natural ability. You're already 2,000 years old and have probably killed countless immortals. And right. also, Sean Connery kind of takes the Kruger for the distance. Like he comes close to killing him. And very close. He chops his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit deeper, and and the, the mm-hmm. it would have been uh, been all over. But yeah, there. If it's just the number of people you absorb, it's like one of those runaway wind conditions, you know? Right. Um, where there's there's just this guy so far ahead, there's no way. There's got to be some kind of also natural inborn ability or else. Or maybe it's the Kruger is so overconfident um, and just doesn't take it seriously. Hmm. Yeah. And and then he also doesn't have anything to fight for other than power and glory where Connor is trying to save this bland <laughs> right uh pathologists um and my biggest question of the whole thing is mm-hmm. what the fuck is the quickening well can you describe to me the quickening and what it is what I, it means i think the quickening is when you receive the power of another immortal but but, I, but there are problems with that in this movie yes no because sean connery says <laughs> you are experiencing the quickening when they're looking at the stag and they're running yeah, down the beach yeah this now, is the quickening boy now, i don't know if that what he's actually saying because i also think the first time like they also refer to first time you die or should have died and survive as the quickening as well oh and that makes sense God, because yeah Quickening is literally a medieval term for when a baby moves for the first time in the womb. Okay. Like it's the first concrete sign that you have a life inside you. It's like 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 when 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 life kind of begins or it's it's obvious that it's there. And it makes sense that the quickening would be 
like when a Highlander dies and then they're reborn as well, I'm sorry, an immortal dies and a reborn as uh, an immortal. Like that would be called the quickening, and then like chopping someone's heads off should be called the empowering or something, right? But yeah, but no. it's all very confused. Like yeah. Sean Connery might as well be drinking a beer saying this is the quickening yeah like, right <laughs> what the fuck are maybe you the quickening about? is anything that in like uh is is not is is like powering up as an immortal like when you first are killed that's a quickening huh. when you first re- learn to when you first learn to <laughs> to call on the power of the stag that's the uh-huh. That's the quickening when you kill a Highlander and get all or fucking immortal when you kill a immortal and you get all their shit inside you. Then that's the quickening. Like there is a very Jedi thing going on here. Yeah, this connection with nature, right? Yeah, they they do mention how it's a connection to all things, and then at the end, when he gets the when he gets the prize, it's like he has universal like omniscience knowledge. But he but also uh, a marked decrease in his uh, omnipotence because he now says that he's mortal. Right. So, like, you've got the rest of your mortal life to do either great, great, like, like awesome things, either mm-hmm. for good or evil. Because, like, obviously the Krugan, he took over. He was it, going to grind humanity underneath his heel for... Right. It, it makes me... For an eternity is what they say. So it makes me wonder if the prize isn't tailored to what you want. Yeah. Or if it's, it it's gives essentially you... like a birthday wish that you yeah, get. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Connor McLeod has always... Wanted children. Wanted to, a family. to live or whatever, right? right. As a... As a human being it's the one thing he couldn't have yeah and he, he kept on trying Korean... to make that happen like staying with heather until she died rescuing like i really like the plot where you find out his assistant his like you know kind of advanced middle-aged assistant is the girl that he rescued from the nazis yeah uh that he which he, he kind of had it's like his adoptive daughter he tries to keep making this family thing work he does and yeah. then unfortunately the blandest woman that he's ever been with is the one who becomes his, you know, mortal love. Right. Um, so apparently I was reading that in the original American Fox release version, that World War II scene is taken out. Yeah. Which completely fucks this movie yeah, up. Yeah, no, right. Because it's like, I think without that scene, you'd be left to imagine that Christopher... That he just hooked up with the first person... To to run through his vision, right? Or that that, that he <laughs> like, has kind of led this poor assistant on romantically, and when he's leaving, like she's like he's like, "Hey, baby, should have known I was immortal. Right. Fuck off," you know, like in favor of this. I don't know. Yeah, and then he gets like shot with Cupid's arrow or something at the end. It's right. It's really weird without that scene. I think they fucked up. Doing There's that. a lot of like uh, the, the the love making scene is so shoot uh, shoot mm. horned in, and then like speak yeah. like this movie. You know, pace what the Nattercast said has got great transitions, but immediately smash cutting to lions fighting over scraps of food mm-hmm. is bizarre. They're trying to say something with that, and I'm not. I guess I'll have to listen to They're the rest of the podcast smash, to find out. Smash but. that boner you got going after <sighs> that scene, maybe. Just you know, the other thing is right like off. I feel like there could have been a couple more takes on a couple occasions. Like, like I thought. Clancy Brown was a really great villain. Yeah. Uh, he actually plays great villains a lot. Like, he uh, really plays an asshole, a memorable asshole in uh, um, uh, a Shawshank Redemption. He mm, plays, like, yeah. the bent screw, mm-hmm. the head bent screw. Um, but, like, when he's in his hotel room, like, assembling his sword, which I thought was a super hilarious idea. He's got this, like... It's a terrible idea. Like, yeah. like, like, the way, like, a master assassin has his custom-made rifle to break down. He's yep. got this thing. But he puts it together, and he, like, puts it in front of his face, and it activates the little crazy Klingon claws. He blinks. 
<laughs> like, like he has a startle reflex. Like he hasn't I'm like, been doing this for four. Yeah, dude, years. you've been doing this for at least four hundred years. Uh-huh. There's no fucking way you're going to blink when that blade pops out. Like, just get a second take, okay, Clay? Okay, I get it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't know you had blade right three inches from your eyes. But like, okay, <laughs> try not to do that. There's a couple things like that. Uh, and a couple of like really awkward swings with the swords that I feel like maybe get another take on that. Yeah, but it's fourteen million dollar budget. Uh, they like seems like they there was also some like like they went to England for some reason to film the garage scene yeah. and found out that the garages in England have like ridiculously low ceilings and they couldn't use. So like it seems like there was a lot of scrambling and like rushed and they only had Sean Connery for like seven days and. A lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I thought a great sequence was like the Carmageddon style, like when he hijacked uh, Connor's, you know, bland NYPD uh, crime scene investigator and like went hurt, took her on a joyride. Yeah. Like I thought that was a really cool sequence that shows that like this guy does just like, that must be truly terrifying. Uh huh. Like, not only is he Clancy Brown, he looks like young Frankenstein, <laughs> but you know he's immortal and doesn't give a fuck. Right. It's kind of like what's that uh, Kurt Russell uh that that the uh, the Tarantino Rodriguez joint uh, Death Proof? Oh yeah. It's a little shades of Death Proof where like, you know, you're just you're just terrified that this guy is going to run you head head on into a semi and, and not care. Yep. Uh that that was a good action scene. Um I thought Kurgan versus Captain Panaka in in the alley was a similarly like hilarious uh, that, that's kind of the the lead up to it right yeah. um there's this hilarious thing where he so he kills this oh he doesn't kill the marine he uh, stabs him through should've. with a sword stabbed him picks him up yeah. and then swings it like that guy should have been cut in half and you can see like the cables in several instances that are holding people up yes. this is one of those same with the, when he's receiving the gift uh-huh. man there's a lot of bad wire work yeah um, and, and then he jumps in this, so he, he cuts the top off of this car practically yeah and he pulls the old man out and then he jumps in with the old lady and he just drives off maniacally yeah uh, those are the kind of things that I always wish would happen in movies that never do like the right. insane truly insane just weird off the wall stuff and in this movie it does and i was like yeah yeah no good. like like a bad like like i i like the krugen as a bad guy because he just it's almost foolhardy in that like you are trying to keep a low profile but you're going to go into a church in, in new york city and just scandalize all yeah. these priests and nuns and parishioners that in the most profane scene. way possible and you're going to just like you know, you don't even you don't even have to ki- like like in a shittier film, he would have just killed the old lady. Yeah, but like, why would he? He yeah. doesn't give. He's like he's he's he just having more fun. Have just, more fun, yeah. Yeah, like it's more fun for him to, to just fuck with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's that's a pretty good villain. Yeah, and in different way, like because you know we just talked about like the Killmonger from Black Panther being a good villain because he's so like easy to empathize with or like understand mm-hmm. how he got to be whereas Kruger's the opposite he's just a villain that's like he just loves being the bad guy yeah. and that is also something that you that's another and I feel like that's memorable type of villain like Darth it's Vader sort of fitting that the movie opens with a wrestling match because he's an ultimate heel right <laughs> in a lot true. of respects I guess that's true and I know they didn't plan that right but it's definitely uh, of a of a theme, right? Yeah, that Ric Flair dude with the sequined oh, uh, rebel flag, man. Uh, so like, and his 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 wrestling, and I'm like, where is the southern fr- like p- fried part of this? And it's like his stage name was Freebird. 
Yeah. So he's built his entire persona about a glammed up version of Leonard Skinner. I guess so. Like, that's that's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Are I these want... real wrestlers or are they fake for the movie wrestlers? Probably. I mean, it's so easy to find jobber wrestlers, man. Yeah. Like, if you if, if we wanted to film a wrestling scene for Bald Move, I, I bet... Go hire the maniac. 30 minutes on the Cincinnati subreddit, we would yeah. have, like, five or six dudes, beefy dudes, ready to, like, smash themselves with metal chairs for our on-camera amusement. Yeah. I bet it's because they fucking love doing it. It seems like it's dirt cheap. It's a passion thing. I don't get it, but whatever. And I also... I just recently drove down to Florida. I passed innumerable Confederate flags, and I wish yeah. I had the budget to sneak in the dead of night and replace them all with the sequined version. Because <laughs> if you're going to fly fly that shitty surrender flag, it, it just ought to look fabulous, yeah. is what I'm saying. Anyway. Uh, the, another action scene that I wanted to talk about is when Kurgan is fighting Connor, uh, kind of like behind this... I don't know if it's a refinery or something, um, and... The neon sign? Uh, no, not the not, not the, the final red, climax. Not the red cup or cup red. Or... Actually, it might lead into that. I think it okay. leads into that. Um, the silver cup. No, silver cup. Yes. No, they're still down on the ground at this point, and they're fighting. And this police helicopter comes flying in. Yeah. Just like uh, the police helicopter saw these two dudes fighting mm-hmm. in an alley and mm-hmm. decided to fly down in there to ask them kindly to please stop. It's the most ineffective stopping of a fight I've ever seen. They shout at them, put down your weapons. Right. There's no follow-up. They're mm-hmm. not like, or we're going to kill you from above. No, yeah. they're just going to ask you nicely. That's also hilarious, the idea that this guy could be arrested. He, he's arrested fleeing a murder scene uh-huh. at high speed, punches two cops at the scene, is taken back for questions, punches another one, and he's just really under arrest? No. <laughs> no. Uh, you weren't before, but you've assaulted three officers, and like also the fact that they just went and pulled out the guns and killed him. Right. Uh, although, you know, obviously he wouldn't have died because he's got that uh, a certain kind of magic to him. But, yeah. Uh, you have to fake it. I do, like, I, we, we talked about the fight locations, but I do think one of the things that elevates this is the, like... You know, all these things are kind of have been done since, mm-hmm. but like the crumbling castle, fighting on a neon billboard inside yeah. the parking garage, inside the industrial complex that then like I think oh, I love the final quickening and I hate it, too, because like him in front of those glass windows that blow out behind him as he's levitating the air, the electricity is so iconic and awesome. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking with the demon, the, the cartoon demons <laughs> swirling around I, and the lions and stuff. They said that some of it was like the lightning, I guess, was to hide the cables, which b- bad job <laughs> yeah, because I still saw them. I saw saw the cables a lot and not. What's what's I only noticed the cables in the close ups and I'm like he you could have just had him standing up against a back backdrop with his arms spread going ah and you wouldn't have to have cables like why do right. we need a close up of him in his harness I mean Star Wars had been out for years uh-huh. and years and years at this point yeah. we know how to do blue screen green screen sure. tech sure do some of that man yeah like if you want to if you want a close up of him screaming and you're not showing his legs have yeah. him stand in front of that industrial thing you don't even use green screen just like yeah you know get, put down the telephoto lens don't <laughs> I, yeah i don't plus also like it, it was also for like like a quarter of a second like how mm-hmm. hard would it be to like just paint those out of individual frames again yeah. 40 million dollar budget uh super compressed shooting schedule and probably similarly compressed uh post production 
but it's a damn shame. It's yeah. a damn shame. Because I do like that that rooftop battle though. It's it's yeah staged really. It's really very neatly. Cool. And like um, I I wish that there's some things like the Kruger slow like not slowly like taking out all the supports. Um, I wish <laughs> I'd have been a bigger. It was pretty funny. Yeah, but also him doing the ballerina twirls as he's cool. cutting the sign down like that. A little bit more kinetic of a set, and I think that would have been even better. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that the scaffolding crumbled. I I like that the the water container uh, just kind of makes a pool on the roof. Yeah. But then there are some really puzzling things about that scene, too. Like, yeah. for instance, when they fall through the roof, where's the water? Where's the water that they just fell yeah. down through? Why doesn't it come rushing down yeah. and just cover that floor in water? Yeah. Uh, how does Brenda get down there so fucking quickly when they have just fallen five stories down to the floor and she was up on the roof watching them? I also like how <laughs> when she hits the Kruger with that pipe, it's more like she just taps him with it to get his attention. Yeah. Like, like no, s- s- swing at him. That is, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a rubber pipe. Put, uh, put a pad under uh, uh, Clancy's uh, fucking leather jacket and just, just, just w- wallop him. <laughs> He probably wouldn't have cared. Yeah, I mean, it's you'd have the exact same effect. It's just extra hilarious. That, that's the things I kept on thinking, like, man, if this movie was, like, 10% better mm-hmm. or had a little bit more budget, a little bit more time, like, yeah, it might be a real classic. Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, you know, why couldn't this be the sci-fi fantasy version of Indiana Jones, where it's just sure. it's just a really well-done romp? Um because and and maybe even like a little like a tiny bit smarter because it's got the time travel aspect and like a person who's like I some of the world building is super cool like his lair that's just got all of this historical shit that's like real mm-hmm. and like the he opens up this uh, bottle of Hennessy from 1782 which I'm like huh turns out Hennessy's been operating since 1765 hmm. wow and a bottle not of Hennessy but of another uh, I think Remy Martin. Uh, was auctioned for several million dollars from like uh, 1793 uh, back in the 90s. So like, you know, he's just, the fact that he's got one of these bottles he saves for a special occasion Mm -hmm. and rattles off all those facts about the year, like I think that's, I don't know, I guess if he's immortal, you would think that those years like wouldn't be special. Like any, any individual or given year wouldn't be special. But then again, he's an immortal. And it seems like that they have, they're, they're like a cut above mortals as far as like all of their abilities. So Mm -hmm. maybe he can recall all that shit. Yeah. But it's cool. It makes me wonder what kind of life he leads because clearly he has money, right? I mean, the, the antiquities, antiquities dealer seems like the perfect cover for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess he's like a very, very successful antiquities dealer, which right. surprises me that people don't just know him. Mm. Um, especially would, would this you know, like if we sword. have an antiquities dealer, a wealthy antiquities dealer in Cincinnati, would you know him? No, but I think like if we had professional podcasters in the area, which we do, I would certainly know of them. And I could recognize them walking down the street, right? Okay. And this lady who is the forensics anal- analysis or whatever, right? Um, she would know him, right. I would think. Yeah, I guess that's true. At least by reputation. Hmm, yeah. Because he's got to be super successful. I mean, he, look at the, his apartment. His right. apartment alone must cost him a ton of money. But I wonder if he, like, just keeps a very low profile. Like, when he needs money, he goes and sells a bottle of Remy Martin for $50 million, and then, 
He's good. He could, he but sells, here's the he thing. He sells an antique uh, French dueling rapier that he took off a Highlander for a million. Because as an immortal, well, there's, there you would pro- just be... If you live 400 years and you were not a complete dumbass, you would be wealthy beyond all measure if you just like put a, a fucking pound sterling in a bank in, in England and, and just, just let it sit sure. there. Yeah. And get interest. Like, it's so easy but, but to when, amass wealth when you're immortal. But you can't, but you also can't, like, know what is going to be in antiquity and what isn't, right? Like, you can't say, well, this sword, this particular sword is going to be the thing that's the most rare and the most prized 300 years from now. Hmm. You just simply wouldn't. So you would have to end up buying your stuff pretty much like normal people do hmm. after the fact, right? And you also can't be everywhere to get those those artifacts. So, like, 400 years ago, how does he get to the place to get the sword and then know which swords to get before their actual like, antiquity? I feel like you're and, – and maybe – let's because this is kind of interesting. Because I guess like, – What assume, would you go and grab right now if if you were looking to make money 300 years from now? I don't even think that's like – but let's say that, like, you know, we're immortal and we have, I don't know, like uh, – I've got like right right here in the Bald Move liquor shelf. We've got a bottle of uh, 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 Lagavulin. All right, and and we go ten years and we're immortals and we don't drink that. It's like you know what? I'm gonna set it for a special occasion. If you just wait, like like how much of this shit in this room four hundred years from now would be worth a ton of money? Is it gonna be millions or is it gonna be like it's worth five grand? Because five grand is not enough to pay his rent for a month. Like I'm just saying, like if you if you just acquire shit from like 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 if you had a an a silver spoon from the Revolutionary War period, and uh, it wasn't even from Paul Revere, you just is like from a well known silversmith, and you just kept that. Like it would probably be worth money. Like so much stuff, 400 years in pristine condition is just going to be worth money. Um, like sure. I think there's also just, the matter of locating by, it 400 think, years ago. I think ago. you would like, acquire it. I think you'd acquire it by accident, just as mementos and stuff. Your 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 money, for example, if you got like perhaps, but I I don't feel like I don't feel like he has gotten his money that way. I feel like a lot of the antiquities dealing he must be doing is lucrative for him. Oh, so you think? Because see, I saw that as a cover for why he's got all this old shit and money. I You're see seeing it as, it as he's made money on that. I see it as both. Yeah. Huh. Huh. This seems like I've always thought that like if you were immortal, I just I just t- always took it for granted that. Every... But he's only been immortal for four hundred years. True, right? it's not a that long but of a period. I kind of assumed, and this is just something I just realized I made up in my own head that wouldn't he have everything that Ramirez had? Like who else would take it? Everything that Ramirez had, what yeah. the sword? No, I'm just saying like, like I, Sean Connery was super wealthy too. He dressed like crazy wealthy for the time. He was the but metal. He, he's a chief metallurgist for a king. Like he's got mad right. bank. And yeah, but but he he didn't tell him. Here's the keys to my fortune. Should I perish? Maybe not. He didn't even know where the fucking guy lived, as far as I can tell. Like hmm. he shows up in the woods one day and finds him. But they spent on a cliff. Then they then, established that they spent like five years together. I thought that Training, there was yeah. there was like a five. A, a so like I, I feel like that maybe that I don't know. You're right. I'm just making shit up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just making shit up. I guess I am too. I'm trying to to decipher his lifestyle. I just thought it's it's because I just I just never. I mean, I took it as an axiom almost that if you live for several hundred years, you will be you will be super wealthy if you do nothing but just 
you know, put put some money in a bank that gets two or three percent interest. Like, I think yeah, that... compounding interest will make you wealthy. And then if sure. you're super smart and super resourceful, like an immortal would be, that's just icing on the cake. Like mm-hmm. if I had three hundred years of business acumen, mm-hmm. that's such a huge advantage. Even if I didn't have a super intelligence or like any kind of heightened senses, like. You know, if I can if I can feel the heartbeat of a stag, I can certainly feel the heartbeat of someone <laughs> trying to work me over or lie to me or like that's such a huge advantage. It would just be like like money would be just beside the point. Like you want enough to like you not have to worry about it and then everything else is I don't know what else you do as an immortal. You you try to find other people's heads that cut off, I guess. I guess so. I mean that's the interesting thing is and I think they explored that with the T V series more. Mm-hmm. Like what if you happen to have like the soul of a poet? Mm-hmm. And you are an immortal, and now you have to like you're either going to die quick, or you're like, ah, oh, God, I hate everything about this life I'm forced to live, but I guess I'm going to have to do it. You know, you got to find Cereal Pharrell. Yeah, yeah, and he'll teach you the ways. Yeah, the poet and the warrior. Right, like there's just like, <laughs> or you know, I mean, I guess it's you get used to anything, right? Like if you have to have kidney dialysis every yeah. couple days, like that sucks, but you got to do it to keep living, right? I guess so. Uh. But that's, you know, like I said, the universe, that's why I say the universe is so durable, and I'm surprised that, um, I mean, with all the remakes and retreads and whatnot, like, why hasn't, like, like Jason Shankle, you know, he's a, he's, he's, he is involved in filmmaking, um, where is the 40s to 50-year-old director who grew up on Highlander and thinking it's super cool, but also with the wisdom of age realizes where they went wrong and some of the problems with it and just wants to reboot it as like a cool trilogy or like an HBO series or So I know they've been talking about doing this. There Have were they? there were I... a lot of people like slated to do remakes of it and mm. it just never happened, I guess. Because like I said it's the con- that's you know, this might be my new favorite answer because this is something we get asked several times a year. Like, if you had unlimited budget or, like, what's the remake that needs to happen? Like, I might be the Highlander because the bones of this concept are strong. Yeah. And uh, it's been executed with more or frequently less than desired uh, competence. But, you know, the idea the idea is super cool and kind of timeless and universal. Can you Can you... Tell me when the gathering actually started. It Does the gathering like... start before this, like in New York, in the the contemporary America? I guess that's something that's interesting because they never explain it to right, me. Right? Like that's something that the, the, in the first thirty minutes of the podcast, Jason and his buddies were talking about, like why if this has been going on for thousands of years, why here, why now? And it's like, well, maybe there's something geographically special about New York, so you had to wait for the the whole world to know about it mm-hmm. and it to be like a international... Hu- like, I, there, there could be... It could be like there's something special about the grounds of New York that you just had to wait for all of humanity to find it and, and, and come together that spot. But it feels mm-hmm. like... It doesn't... Didn't it feel to you like the Kruger, the Kruger showed up like he was at a fucking convention, like an expo? Like ah, I'm here for the gathering. Like 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 the gathering had just begun, and that's why all these people, huh, all these okay. weirdos, were coming there. Gotcha. Like like Connor had been in Europe uh, through in the 40s. Yeah. So like, did he just come? Like when did he come to America? 
sometime after that. Yeah, like is like is and also I guess this is something that I'm kind of like intuiting, but I thought the gathering is kind of like maybe something that you don't even fully appreciate. You're like you're just yeah. compelled to go to this spot and when you get there there's like a special buzz in the air. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of that stuff that's fleshed out in the T V show. So everything we're seeing in the modern sections of this movie is the gathering? I think so. Okay. I think so. Like, cause there's like, at this sense. time, there's only six left, right? Something like Cause that. Cause Kruger yeah. kills a guy in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Connor kills the dude in the uh, parking garage. Uh, Kruger kills uh, Captain, Captain Tanaka. Panaka. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Kruger and Connor. That's it, right? There's five. So there's mm-hmm. five left. At Maybe the, Sean Connery was one, like the sixth. Yeah, but he was—he died way he died back, a long time ago, four hundred years ago. I don't. Surely not. Connor has not ever killed an immortal until. No, no, no. Okay, okay. I don't think so. Yeah. Although so. maybe. And the I mean, thing why, is, like, why do we assume that? I also don't know why there can be like maybe there can be only one, but like now when Connor dies of natural causes, does the game reset? Mm-hmm. Like to me, I guess this is like some kind of genetic thing that's like a one in a million or one in a billion even shot, but like it'll happen again. Like, th- th- does it happen during Connor's lifetime, or does does when he dies, does that energy return and like it starts all over again? Also, so you remember that um, movie we watched, The Man from Earth? Yes, I do. Of, about the man who was essentially Jesus Christ. Yes, I do. Uh, he was immortal, and he always had this problem of aging out of whatever role he found in Con- society. Yeah. How yeah. does Connor avoid that? I mean, they explain it in the film. Do that they? He, yeah, he has taken on a succession of babies. No, 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 no. But how does he do it, like, face-to-face with real human beings, not on paper? I think he just go, he go, like, goes to another area. Like, he's literally, like... So he does The Man from Earth in every 30 years or so. Every 15, 30 years, he moves to a new out. location and okay. starts, starts everything all up again. All right. I mean, have to. Seems like the only solution. It seems like a tough... Every movie lands on that solution. Right, because, like, what else else could you possibly do? Except he hasn't done that with Rachel, right? Who he rescued in World War II and is now his uh, secretary, his office manager. Yeah, but that's in defiance of what Ramirez told him to not form connections. So, like, he can't help himself. Yeah. Um, And he didn't do that with his, his former wife, Heather. Right. Either. Yeah, he stayed in one spot with her. Until she died. So I think the other thing is, like, that might be the real play is to just, like, say it, to, to say that you're the son, you, like, you, 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 to, I don't, man, how would you do that, though, and have no one know? I think you'd be, be, like, you'd be George Clooney and it's like It's air. like that goofy uh, Bolton theory about Roose Bolton being immortal, and he just assumes the, the form of his son every 30 years or so, like, steals his skin and, like, all that. Like, okay. uh, this is really crazy Game wow. of Thrones theory. But, like, I, I mean, that would be the ultimate. If you could just be like, hey, I've got this son. I'm turning over the family business to him. He's in his 30s. He's a man now. And then I'm going to step away from society but you'd have to do some fucking makeup, and you'd have to stay out of the public yeah. eye, and you couldn't have anybody really close friends. It's probably easier just to kill off an identity and steal another one. Yeah, and just move around. And honestly, that's probably, like, I don't think immortals even have to worry about that problem until, like, the last couple hundred years. Right. Because no one had records for shit, man. You yeah. could just walk to you could just you just take a boat to another continent and say, you're John Smith, and you're John Smith. Who's Who's to say otherwise? How do you get your money out of the bank? That's a good question. <laughs> but there again, 
you know, it's also a relatively modern time invention that things got tracked like that. Like, you know, you could go in as your as on the years, last yeah. day of your this 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 selves like he says like this is the this is the last day for Robert Nash or whatever. That's not his, that wasn't his name, but so, something something like, like that, yeah. that. And like you just take all your money out of the ATM or whatever, and then you deposit it with a new identity, and there you go. Like up uh, until the seventies or eighties, you could do that with impunity. Yeah, you know that's true. Like you, here's a whole bunch of pounds sterling, and I'm transferred to South Bank. This new and wh- who would ever to st- see, stop you? I would love to see a story that kind of explores the hardships of being an undercover immortal in the future. Like as things you become know, I, more and more buttoned down in the right, records regard, like right historically documented, how do you get away with that for yeah, no, the like, next three hundred years? Like in the Looper universe years. where everybody is implanted or or uh like the altered carbon where everybody yeah. at the age of one has this uniquely stack, identifiable yeah. stack implanted into them. I was when we were talking about rebooting the Highlander. I, I had this crazy idea. It's like, oh man, what what if it was a Highlander in space? And it's a thousand years in the future. and They got lightsabers and shit. Uh-huh. But like, you're right. <laughs> it it's going to it gets harder and harder for an immortal to do something like that. Yeah, I wonder what you would. And do. In altered carbon. The solution is people just know there are immortals, and that's fine. But right. if you yeah. wanted to stay undercover, I don't. Shit, I don't know how you'd do it. Yeah, because that's the other thing is like these immortals would be super. The other thing I kept on thinking is, like, you can't just come out to society as an immortal because you people would find a way to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have godlike powers. You, no, you can be killed. You can be yeah. killed. And, like, some, something else in the Nighter cast, they were, they were entertaining questions like, say the villagers carried through the threat and set him on fire and burnt him. Uh-huh. Would eventually his head turn to charcoal and fall off, and then that counts as a decapitation? Or like if you got hit by or would he an artillery shell yeah. and your entire body was just disintegrated. Right. Your head wasn't taken off your body. It was kind of the other way around. Right. Would yeah. that do it? Yeah, your body's taken off your head. And yeah. there's, there's, I also was reading in like the Highlander wiki where I guess – it's kind of like agreed upon the fandom that if you uh, like you can't regrow a limb. Sure, and that makes sense given that Clancy Brown has this giant scar across his neck. Right? But on the other hand, these guys are sword fighters. Like it seems like a pretty winning strategy to lop off a dude's arm or leg and then take off their head. Like sure, and, and also if you if you get your arm amputated, that's going to be pretty. F- I mean, we saw what it did to Jamie. Lannister in Game uh-huh. of Thrones, like that seems like it would be blood in the water for every immortal. Maybe that's the key. The key. Like if you get su- sufficiently maimed, you're just easy pickings and you're you're picked off. I think so. Yeah, the, we're seeing the strongest of the strong, right? The, essentially, the luckiest of all. Of yeah, them, right? these are the. This is the. This is the grand championship round. There's yeah. there's no amateurs at this level. Uh, this is the gold medal round for for immortals. Uh, I wish they would remit. Yeah, this is going to be my new go to answer. For what someone should, I I feel like a really a talented filmmaker that's maybe got like this would be a great project for like a Quentin Tarantino or a Rodriguez or <laughs> uh, oh, shit I can't imagine what a Tarantino Highlander looks like. It's a lot more foul mouth, a lot uh-huh. more racially charged, um, and it's also like an excuse. Music. Like it well, seems like hmm. what what Hollywood has discovered is like if you have a more diverse cast, it does. It's it's not. Not any more interesting to American audiences, but also plays a lot better overseas. Mm-hmm. 
like this is the excuse to have like you like you could have all kinds of different immortals they could be from russia and china and india and fucking pakistan and iraq and nairobi and like all all these other places and it would just be seamless it'd just be just big fucking blend of cultures and protagonists and antagonists and like like different time like because that's the other cool thing that i liked about the old series if i remember correctly watching it with my dad is like it's also the excuse to just do period pieces from time to time yeah absolutely like hey i want to see what it was like in roman times or i want to see what it's like like living through the french revolution and like you know not all those plots were probably carried out with the ultimate of historical accuracy but it's like quantum leap right it gives you an excuse to jump around in time it's quantum leap if sam was chopping off heads at the end (laughs) of every episode and getting like ex- orgasms of electricity like it's mm-hmm. it's a cooler yes it's a cooler version of, of quantum leap yep so now the question is like get the most gonzo act uh, director uh and then mash it up like like i want i want highlander with altered carbon and star wars <laughs> and quantum leap is, isn't that the fucking coolest I think so. Yeah, and we it just also made the be, best movie. And it is also like effortlessly procedural mm-hmm. because you always have like bad guys of the oh, week. You're talking which, TV series, okay? Well, like, like I'm, I'm now I'm going to HBO. Like it could be effortlessly procedural, but also like se- seems like some of the most viral television or most fun I've had watching. Like I'm, I think of like X Files or like even Justified. Like it's a blend of like a procedural hook that also is building to something. Yeah, and like that's you know like, the fucking. That's a Highlander, man. Why isn't this being? Why isn't this already remade? I don't know. Why isn't someone write a pilot for it? S- yeah, I'm gonna write. To I'm gonna write some spec scripts yeah. and like, why not? That's how the Double D's did it, right? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't it. have shit for shit. They have a pot to piss in. They're just ultimate fanboys. <laughs> if anybody of wants Gurm. to get together and write this with me, I'm yes, down. Let's Jason, do this. call me. Let's make this happen. <laughs> you are the Gen X director we need to make yep. this project happen. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say about this movie? I have two pieces of trivia that I thought were, well, one that was just astounding. Be- and better than Sean hilarious. Connery's perfected Spanish accent? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So apparently this quote-unquote stag, which I guess it is, even though uh, oh, I, I guess the stags yeah, I, I in that area too. didn't have horns, right? They just don't have horns Because anymore. of the, se- the season. They, every sure. year their horns fall off and they grow new ones, and the season they were shooting... No stags. It's right. all everybody looks like does. <laughs> so th- they took this stag and they sedated it, and they glued horns to its head, antlers mm-hmm. to its head, <laughs> and then this they when it woke up, the only thing it wanted to do was get these fucking antlers off its head. Right. And so they were barely able to get any shots. They had to use like National Geographic footage, stock footage to fill it right. in. Like they got a, they they got a shot of the deer running, and that deer uh-huh. never stopped running. It just ran off into the woods. Yeah. Went. 25 miles where they found it without antlers on its head. Yeah. Which I think is fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nature nature <laughs> finds a way, man. And then the other piece of just mind-blowing trivia that I couldn't uh-huh. even believe they got away with this is, <laughs> do you know how they made the sparks in this movie on the swords? <sighs> I I don't believe it. Okay. I think I think some oh, of these I, I IMDB, I think some of these IMDB Bond mods were made up because this just seems... This seems as 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 a like go, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead and tell go ahead and tell the story. So apparently, what they did is they took the actors and they ran wires from their feet up through their their clothing down to their sleeves where it touched the sword, mm-hmm. and they hooked car batteries up to these wires. Right. And one was one actor was positive, one actor was negative mm-hmm. terminals, and mm-hmm. when they touched the swords, they made sparks 
fly, mm -hmm. and you can see it on the screen. They somehow made these sparks happen. Right. Apparently that's how, and the swords got so hot yeah. from the electricity that they couldn't do many takes. I'm surprised. And apparently they... the actors are getting shocked like all the time. Oh, fuck yeah, that's what I'm like. As a person who's played with some jumper cables uh -huh. from time to time, it's super incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah, like that is a lot of fucking current, and that's a lot of bare exposed metal, and you're swinging around yeah. on sets that are flooded uh -huh. and sets that have a bunch of other exposed metal. Like, it's just asking for people to be electrocuted. I, I couldn't believe it when I read I, that. I feel like it's bullshit. It Because I, 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 I never saw, like, that from an... It was always, like, an assertion at an IMDb or other trivia collection. There was no, like... Yeah. In this 1987 interview, director blah, blah, blah said that they got, like... Because it just seems... Yeah, I'd have to Too look it up insane. on Wikipedia and, and see if they cite the source, because you're right. Like, like everyone's... Uh, how do you get away with that? Like, with the insurance companies Yeah, on just the swords movies. would, like, half the time spot weld together. Right. Like, it's, 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 yeah, I, I saw that, and I'm just like, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. Um, if it's true, I mean, but we also live in a world where, speaking of Diane Lang, she was part of a filming movie i forget the name of this movie but do you remember when this went through the bald move community that turns out someone made a movie with like hundreds of real lions and they were not trained in any way and mm. these lions like mauled several people including diane lang she oh had to God. almost got her scalp torn off and like so many people were grievously mauled and maimed and and they trusted that people knew but it turns out these filmmakers had no idea and they're just trying to make this crazy nature picture about lions wow and so, like, yeah, things were a lot wilder and woolier back in the day. We just talked about in The mm -hmm. Exorcist how, like, these actors that got injured because of sh shoddy wiring. Like, man, back in the old days, it just seems like actors were treated like cattle. Yeah. And, you know, there's, like, the classic, it wasn't, a, it, wasn't a, it was a Spartacus or Ben-Hur where a stuntman died in, yeah, mm -hmm. it was Ben-Hur during the, the, the still impressive Coliseum uh, race. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit like that happens even today. It does. You know? It's just, I think it's despite everyone's best efforts. Absolutely. Like, yeah. that was just like, you know, did you have the guy, was the guy in the chariot wearing a harness? Fuck no, they didn't wear harnesses back in Rome, my boy. Right. We're trying to go for historical accuracy here. Meanwhile, <laughs> it's based on, like, you know, no real research or history. It's just mm. like, everyone knows this is how, uh, it, it feels like, the yeah, like now when people die in film, it's because of, like, this, the, like despite lots of safety protocols and... yeah. But, um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I always feel, like, I, the the last time that happened was, like, uh, The Walking Dead. Like, I always feel super bad when someone dies making a movie because, like, what's the most, like, frivolous way to die? You're dying making entertainment. Yeah. It'd be, it's like, it's tragic. It's like, it's like Chuck E. Cheese having a heart attack, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, or, 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 like, Goofy in Walt Disney World. Like, you, uh -huh. you're, you're there. This is a completely frivolous, nothing... This is not a war you're fighting. There's not a disease you're curing. You're not testing inoculation. You're just like trying to shuck and jive and make a buck, and you die. That's that's it's terrible. Yeah, they're taking huge risks, and it's funny too with this sword fight spark thing because the movie knows the movie uh -huh. knows that electricity is dangerous. On that final rooftop battle where there's all this electricity surging everywhere, you can see that uh, Brenda, Rachel, I. I've already forgotten her name. I, I don't remember her name, but she's crawling along the edge of the roof 
desperately trying to avoid the water right. because the water is electrified. The movie knows how dangerous electricity is, and yet they're using <laughs> it on their actors yeah. to get this fucking spark on their sword. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's so uh, ironic. Because, I, I, like I said, I got another 90 minutes of uh, Highlander Nattercast to listen to. Uh, maybe they'll go into that. Because, yeah, I just I read that and I'm like, there's just no fuck. But, again, yeah. 80s are crazy. Uh, okay, I think that's... Uh, that's a perfectly perfectly Highlander podcast. Yeah, the one can make there, and then and and fortunately there cannot be only one because there's at least mm-hmm. two. Ours and the Nattercast. Uh, go to nattercast.com to check them out. They also have, um, they also have this thriving Facebook community that they built up, and mm-hmm. they've they've built up a series of like uh, portals on Facebook. So if you search for "I can't stop watching," they have. All kinds of, like, I can't stop watching Netflix. I can't stop watching, like, a XYZ. And so you can find the community that way. And, again, at nattercast.com. Uh, and I will link the in the show notes the their Highlander Companion podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess it's actually, that's the main podcast. We're the companion to that one at this point. Oh, man. Thanks, thanks so much for your support and love over the years, Jason. We really appreciate it. And especially for this movie, I just had a ton of fun watching it and talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I was kind of dreading it because I I remember him saying it was like one of his favorites, and like I always hate. And I remember the last time I watched it, thinking like, why is this movie so well regarded? <laughs> and maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of the. I, I realized during the Baldies that I never finished the revival of Netflix, was, uh, or the revival of Mystery Science Theater three thousand on Netflix. Ah. And I just watched like Wizards of the Lost Kingdom one and two, uh, so maybe my standards for schlock were reset. But mm-hmm. like I, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching this film and I had a lot of fun podcasting about it. So uh, if you like to commission your podcast, too bad you can't. Uh, the commission queue is closed for now as we uh, are working through our immense backlog and trying to figure out what we want to do with that feature in the future. Uh, but stay tuned here as we figure out how we're going to. Uh, what we're going to do next, um, if we are going to open the commission queue, if so, how much it is and all that, well, that's all to come. Uh, but you can find all that stuff at bald, baldmove.com. That's the place to stay tuned to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, Jason, thanks for the commission, and we'll see you guys real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.